This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh, yeah. And it is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. Will Lutz from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. We are Inside Black and Gold preseason football edition in the book. Saints getting a 26-24 victory over the Chiefs in the uh, Caesar Superdome. Uh, Jeff and I have been going at it since early this morning, talking black and gold and continuing on and tonight. That's why this is also a special edition of Inside Black and Gold, the bourbon cast. Cheers, everyone. I don't technically have bourbon. I didn't have any bourbon, but it's a brown liquor. So there you go. Um, but yeah. We're going to get through it. But no, you know, you, you mentioned that before we came on that it was a fun game. I would disagree. It was a very fun start to the game. It was a very fun finish to the game. Everything in the middle, meh. But that's what the preseason is. So all you can ask for is a is an entertaining finish to the game. And by gosh, did we get one? I still can't wrap my head around why the Chiefs threw the ball. In any way, on that last that interception by Kyle Phillips, and there's a trivia trivia mark there. Fun fact: so it, you know this was one of my first games on the sidelines. It's the first time that I've gotten a walk off interview on the sidelines, and they typically only do the interviews with us if they win. You know, you, it's it's kind of awkward to try to interview a post game player after a loss because they're just angry. So typically, we only get them if they win. So. When the game goes like that and it's all of a sudden, it's like, well, who do you want? Because it's like, you know, the last two minutes, all of a sudden it changes. And initially we were like, oh, how about Jake Hayner? You know, it'd be a good interview. And so we were all getting ready to pull Jake Hayner to the side and talk to him. And then Jake Hayner just disappears. <laughs> and we was like, well, he has to be there. We've been watching. He didn't walk by us, but he's just gone in this mass of people. So we we grabbed Kyle Phillips and talked to him. And then we looked over and like Jake Hayner's like kneeling down. He's this tiny person. Um, <laughs> between Jake Hayner and Blake Groupie, you have the smallest pair of game-winning uh, Saints players that we probably ever have. Blake Groupie getting stopped by security because they I think he's a fan wandering around on the field. But yeah, that, that was entertaining for sure. Yeah, we kind of joked about it in the post game show too when we saw that tweet go out about Groupie 
And it was like, well, yeah, the security guard thought he was like a 20-year-old kid. He didn't even belong. Like, what are you doing here? He is like a 20-year-old kid. They probably thought he was like a 15-year-old nephew of some of like the of Derek Garr or something like that. Yeah, uh, didn't didn't have credentials uh, to prove that he was a player. And then like it was something, well, leaving the game, going out the player exit. Yeah, he's gonna have to start carrying his idea around with him. I mean, he was wearing a he was wearing a uniform, <laughs> so they must have thought he was just a kid who showed up in full uniform. <laughs> anyway, so we're gonna be going through this. We're gonna hit the three up, three down. Is something I posted. If you want to follow along, it's on WWL.com. Just to go through who I thought stood out, who I thought fell flat, and we're gonna kind of get Steve's takes alongside that. And then obviously that final segment, we're gonna go into the mailbag. But yeah, so the the first player that I thought stood out, and I, I put this out on Twitter and I asked some people's suggestions. But to me, you know, if I'm trying to figure out that first team offense, which looked fantastic, right? It's it feels like it happened though three weeks ago at this point, because we've seen so much happen that does not involve this group of people. But that first team offense, 12 plays, 80 yards, didn't miss a beat. The only time you kind of got behind the chains, there was a false start and there was some awkwardness. Derek Carr took that on himself. But third and eight, who'd he look to? Jawan Johnson, 11 yards. He just caught it, turned up field. And I think he had two catches on that drive, 29 yards total. Alvin Kamara had 21 yards receiving, 16 yards rushing. But Jawan, I feel like he's a guy that we take for granted because he's been here several seasons already. But I think he is primed for a breakout. When you just see how confident he looks, he, you would assume that he and Derek Carr have been playing together their entire careers. And it just seems like that connection is already at such a high level. I don't know what the connection is going to be with Mike Thomas. He did catch a pass today. He's having trouble separating. I just don't know how effective he's going to be down the field, but I just think Juwan Johnson, he, he has a chance to have a huge year in the Saints offense. The Cajun cannon turns to me in the game and he goes, Oh, Steve, did you do your fantasy football draft yet? I'm like, no, why? He's like, I'd be adding Juwan Johnson to that mm-hmm. list. And you know what? Last season, I don't know. It was like, hey, is this Juwan's ceiling? It was a you know a pretty good season he put together, but it seems like there could be even more there, which is really interesting. And yeah, definitely anxious to see more of Juwan in this connection. He had, he's he seems to have built up with Derek Carr already. And man, I don't know. Derek Carr's had a magical connection in the past with past tight ends like a Darren Waller, even Foster Morrow, who's raved about him. So, yeah, maybe there's even bigger and brighter things ahead. I thought, yeah, that first drive was so awesome. Uh, just seeing them be able to move down the, the the field methodically and then, boom, putting the touchdown on the board. It was such a huge relief. Something, you know, last season we went through these games. How many times do you remember the team going downfield and actually putting up, forget even just a touchdown, points in general? Right. Well, that- you know, I do I do want to say we, we should pump the brakes slightly because – Last preseason, you know, we saw the Jameis Winston offense go out there and dominate the Chargers. Now, one thing to note about that preseason drive, it was the Chargers' second team against the Saints' first team, whereas this was the Chiefs starting their starters. They started the starters on offense and on defense. And, you know, I don't think we saw Pacheco. I think that might be the only Chiefs player that we didn't see that, that you would expect. But, you know, I thought that the offense just looked really crisp today. And I did wonder going in, we we talked about, uh, well, we, I don't know if we talked about this on the pod, but the Friday practice, you know, one thing that happened was Derek Carr threw a long touchdown to Chris Olave, and then he came off the field and he was yelling something along the lines of, oh, it's weird what happens when they don't know the script, right? And he was kind of hinting that the defense was getting tipped off 
on what this the offense was running. And, you know, I don't think he was going to go out and say it. But <laughs> to me, that's him kind of saying, like, you know, one of the reasons that I've that I haven't looked as good as I know I can be in this offense is because the defense is kind of cheating. And to his credit, he pointed out it was like it makes it more difficult. It makes me better. But I, I think that's one of the reasons we haven't been seeing him dominate the defense because they know what to expect. And you saw what happened when they, they didn't know what to expect when they weren't able to just read the mail, as he put it. So, yeah, but just to close off that number on Juwan, you know, you point out like what's the ceiling for him and 42 catches, 508 yards. Like he had a really good season, but that, those numbers are not exactly jumping off the page. Seven touchdowns is a big number. Right. But I think you can you could see like easily something in like the 60, 65 catch mark, 700 something yards in, and then seven touchdowns in that range. I, I think he's going to have a big year. He's going to be a very big part of this offense. So I, I think that's a good point. Babe. A thing I still laugh about, too, and I know you can go way back to our early podcast before draft and free agency and everything. And it was like, oh, woe is me. What's going to happen at the tight end position? And now. Uh, I've said it before, obviously, with Jimmy Graham in the mix, Foster Murrow uh, and and Taysom Hill rounding out that foursome, I guess you could say, with Juwan. That's a hell of a group. <laughs> oh, I agree. You know, so let, let's move on to another guy. So all of my stock up players are offensive players. And that's really not fair because I thought the defense had a really good day. I thought Brian yeah. Brzee looked really good. I thought, you know, Peyton Turner had a really solid showing against the second team offensive line, which is what I was hoping for. Marshawn Lattimore looked great. I think we saw, we got a pretty good indicator of Paulson Adebo being ahead in the CB2 race. And the biggest thing I will note is that the first team defense got on the field for two drives. The first team offense only got on the field for one drive. And so if the Saints were dedicated to making sure that that was an even split, between Paulson Adebo and Alante Taylor, they could have put Alante out there across from Marshawn for that second drive. There was nothing stopping them from doing that other than themselves. And I think to me, that's a pretty clear indicator that Paulson does have the inside track there. Something I, I love too, you talking about the first team defense, man, they, they did have to face Patrick Mahomes, obviously, and yeah. coming out and being able to do the, the force the turnover on downs, that's huge that, yeah, right there for me. I, I, I love that. It was like that sent that message right away. And then, bam, they slam another touchdown. So, it, that yeah, the beginning of the game was a ton of fun. What's a more Andy Reid thing than a trick play on his first drive of the preseason? Uh, did not did not work. Also, Pat Mahomes' uh, cheat meal was Mexican food, in case you wanted to try to shoehorn your way into that relationship. But shoot, uh, shoot, okay. my, I you, seems like every day is a Mexican meal for me. So I'm, I'm cheating every day. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned that second touchdown and that's my next stock up player, a guy who I've been hard on, right? Yeah. At, you know, you, you talk to people and they want to pull their punches and they don't want to use the word struggle. They don't want to use their, you know, they, they want to, you know, not, not undermine a guy. And I get it, but AT Perry has struggled. If you ask anybody who has watched Saints practices, he has struggled. And I don't know how well he's picking things up in meetings. I All I know is what I'm watching, and I've seen him struggle with his hands. I've seen him drop passes. I've seen him not be crisp on routes. I've seen him get out physical. But today, I saw a completely different player. And, and this is what I was hoping for with AT is that, you know, sometimes some guys are just gamers. Some guys, <laughs> you know, when the lights get bright, they just lock in. And I think that's what you saw today, and it's really 
really encouraging because that touchdown pass from Jameis, that was the exact pass that I have been waiting to see him catch. Just go high, high point a ball. You're a giant. Go high point a ball. Go get it. You know, when he, he scared me a little bit when he do it for the end zone and lost it. And I still think he's got to work on his hands. Um, but just the, the, the attention to detail, the, the effort, the ability to get open. He caught six passes for 70 yards. That led six the team six. by far. Yes, six catches on six targets. Exactly. And uh, this was, you know, I, t- I talked to Jameis about this, and this is just a good example of, like, no one wants to use the word struggles. But, you know, this is what Jameis had to say uh, on the subject. Jameis, what did you see on that touchdown pass to Jake or A.T. Perry? I just saw one-on-one, and uh, I tried to put him in a good spot, and he went up there and made a heck of a, cra- a heck of a grab. And it's like, you know, he's a guy who I think has had his struggles throughout camp. Is it just kind of a confidence-building moment for him? Well, no, I, I don't know about him having str- struggles during camp. I just know that he's a young player. Uh, he loves football. So uh, it was a, a great moment for him to show his capabilities, and he did just that. What are some of the things that stand out about his game? Right well? I just think he's a, he's a, uh, he's a big tar- target. He has a great release game. Uh, he has strong hands. See, I don't, I don't know about the hands. But no, you know, I, that's one card. of the things you mentioned. Yeah, during practice, kind of like, you know, you're writing your notes down. And you, like you said, we've seen a drop or whatever happened where he didn't come up with the grab. And you kind of like mumble to the person next to you. Oh, I thought this was supposed to be the contested catch guy. And yeah, <laughs> he's not even making the easy catch kind of grab. But yeah, the, the lights come on. I don't know. And AT showed up today, which was, yeah, awesome to see because of those struggles that we've witnessed in practice. It was like, okay, great. The, the, like you said, the lights are on and it's now time to shine. I love it. I think he also is is a very suited player for Jameis too. Like, I, I think that, that combination actually makes a lot of sense. Like if I had to comp him to somebody and this is an unfair comp because he's nowhere in the stratosphere of a Mike Evans, but just from the, from a wingspan perspective, from the way you want him to play, I think that's probably who you would show him tape of, right? Like if you're like, okay, AT, this is the type of game. This is what I want you to work on is the stuff Mike Evans does. And we've seen Jameis have a lot of success with Mike Evans. That's the type of pass you would put up there for Mike Evans and say, okay, big guy, go get it. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's, that's kind of an interesting pairing. And I don't think it's a surprise that the second they got on the field together, it was a, you know, it, it was a big play, but I think that's just, you know, you, you can talk all day long about the expectations and what you want to see from a rookie. I just think, confidence is everything at this stage and if he needed a springboard for that and i think he got it today yeah in the post game show i got to give out a game ball to somebody and i did give it to at perry because the touchdown grab what was it six for six for 70 yards, 70 yards. yeah 70 yep. yards and the td i was like that's a perfect day like you said a huge confidence builder for a guy we've been pretty down on and uh wait for him to show up gotta love it no doubt. And so my next stock up player is actually to twofer because I couldn't decide between them. One is going to be Blake Groupie because, you know, I, I don't even know if it's really fair to say stock up. I just wanted to give him credit because, you know, we can pretend that a 31 yard kick with no nothing on the line doesn't mean anything. That was a big kick for him. And I, I, I was talking to Tyler, our spotter during the game. And I said, I feel bad for Blake Groupie because he has been out here warming up the entire second half. Like Will Lutz got the first half for the field goals. The second half was, was Blake Groupie's half to kick. And you could tell because of the way he was moving around he was getting ready. He was hyped and he would, could not stop moving. But then they just, the, the offense just stopped. <laughs> they didn't get any kicks. And even when they went down and tied it or for that touchdown at the end, they for they did not kick the point after because you playing for overtime in the preseason should be, you know, criminally illegal, Damn. right? Like you yeah. should be charged with a crime if you 
try to send a game to overtime in the preseason. And so they didn't, which is the right the right call. And we can get into the, the, the ill-fated two-point conversion in the second segment here. But, you know, Blake ended up getting his kick in the most unlikely way possible with that interception we talked about. And it was a 31-yard kick. His first kick in the NFL was a do or die, make this kick or we lose moment. And you have seen people whiff. Just go look at John Carney. And it's like, it's, it's, that was closer. <laughs> you know, it's not for nothing. And that stadium was actually pretty loud for a preseason game. If you don't think there's pressure on that kick, you're kidding yourself. So I give him a lot of credit. I think that was a big moment for him. I don't think it's going to make him any rosters, but you know, I think that is, that is a big moment for any kicker. I mean, that's you, you walked off, right? Walk him off. Like you said, and who's the, who's the other one that shares the honor with him? Ellis Merriweather. A guy who running back. I don't even know anyone could have named. Uh, you know, I, I've had, I've known him for a little while, and he's he's a UMass guy. You know, he didn't win a lot of games in college, right? Like he's just excited to be part of a win. <laughs> um, and wanted I picked him even before this quote occurred to me, and I'm going to play this quote on this podcast because we cannot play it over the air without bleeping it. And it, but it's it's but it's not the anywhere near the kind of content that you're expecting it's not you hear alvin camaro and he's cursing constantly that's not what this is but it's way funnier and he's kind of talking about jake hayner and in that final drive which he was a huge part of that last play for the touchdown was drawn up for him for this udfa running back who was a he was a camp tryout he was a rookie mini camp tryout and he made the team and you know, he ran hard today, and, and and he has an opportunity now because Kendra Miller went down with an injury. Who knows how long it's going to keep him out? It's a sprained knee, the same knee he dealt with an injury at, at TCU, so that's something to be concerned about. But, you know, he suddenly got an opportunity, and I think he took advantage of it today. But <laughs> here, uh, here is that, uh, that Ellis quote. Man, Jake is cool as a cucumber. I've been working with him since the summer, since rookie minicamp, uh, when we went back home on break, we were FaceTiming each other every day, going over plays, going over the installs. And I mean, he, he that's a dude I ride for because he understands his job. Even though we got down, you know, he threw a pick, his demeanor didn't change. It was, hey, got to drop, you know, drop your nuts and let's go and, and, and win the game. So um, defense did a great job stopping them boys. And then they gave us one more opportunity to go out there. And I mean, this is what you play for. You know, I was at UMass, didn't get too many opportunities to be in a ball game, you know. So just this being the first game too, like first introduction to NFL football, it's like, yeah, like I can, I can get down with this. And I just want to keep growing and developing because I know it's still some things that I can work on and we'll watch the film in a couple of days. And yeah. Print the shirt. <laughs> you guys gonna say print them up? Let's go, get them ready. He he, he started saying it. He was like, I probably can't say this on TV. And then he was like, you know what? I'm just going for it. What do I have to lose? Uh, anyway, I thought that was very funny because like I, I I heard Doug Mouton. He was like, good line. We can't use it on TV. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I thought that was just that moment was big for both those guys. Yeah, definitely. You know, game winning field goal uh, and what we saw in crunch time with Merriweather, especially too, it's like all of a sudden the pressure in the world's on you knowing what's, what's coming ahead for him with the uncertainty in the guy like Kendry Miller. I, I don't know how serious obvious it is. We're hoping that it's, it's not bad, but yeah, when you saying it's the same, you know, the same knee he already had an issue with, that's it's a little concerning after a torn ACL. 
Well, and Kirk Merritt didn't play. He's dealing with a hamstring injury. Alvin Kamara is going to be out the first three games of the season. So Jamal Williams. Right, Jamal Williams and who else right now? It's Ellis Merrickweather. And I don't know, maybe they do end up bringing in Kareem Hunt. Still hasn't signed anywhere. Maybe there's someone else on the heap they can bring in. But right now, he's he's the guy. And they're going to go out to L.A. and they're going to do these practices. <laughs> I don't know who's going to – I mean, I don't think you're going to see Kendra Miller back for these practices. Uh, so, I mean, he's going to get all the work he can. But before before we wrap up, there I did have one honorable mention, and I, there were so many players on offense that I wanted to get to that I had to, <laughs> I technically picked five. Um, but the other one's Keith Kirkwood, uh, a guy that we have seen throughout <laughs> camp, confident as anybody. You talk to him, I mean, he's just so confident. You can set, you can sense it; it's there. And one of the reasons he's confident is because he has a connection with Derek Carr. That you know, you look back at players that. Drew Brees had connections with that were more valuable on the Saints than they would be on any other team for the sole reason that that he could read Drew Brees' mind. He knew what he was going to do. I think a guy like Lance Moore stands out. Like, I don't know if Lance Moore has the career he does if he is not just in sync with Drew Brees to a level that most people couldn't even imagine, right? And I I kind of feel like that's what's happening with with Derek Carr and Keith Kirkwood. And we've seen it. He, He goes to him all the time. You know, it's not a mirage. And, you know, when they fo- he found him in the back of the end zone for that touchdown, that was, you know, that's just that's just the the end product of something that's been building. And this is what Derek Carr had to say about Keith Kirkwood when he was asked today. Kirkwood was someone, you know, you know, we had three lifting groups and we would always lift at that 630 group. And at 6 a.m., I'd be like, you know, whoever wants to meet me there, you know, I'll be there at 6 a.m. to, you know, throw these new routes and these kind of things. And Keith was there every single time. And, uh, you know, after practice, I always run, run extra. Keith, as you guys see, he's always right there next to me, running extra with me. And if, if we don't see each other, we make sure that we check in. Did you do it? You know, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I think that it's his hard work and his determination. He's a, he's a veteran player. You know, he understands what it takes. Um, and I'm, I'm just really proud of him, um, you know, to be able to get, you know, a touchdown. And, you know, uh, I know it's a preseason game, but they still, they still all feel good. I'm going to tear up. That was beautiful, man. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's not a, it, it, like you think of like reasons for someone to make a roster, right? And having the starting quarterback squarely in your corner and saying all of these things about you doesn't hurt. Um, and, you know, it, like Keith Kirkwood, you know, he's he's got an interesting skill set for a receiver. He's big, he's strong, he can block. And everyone who wants to see Traquan Smith not make this roster, uh, you should be Keith Kirkwood fans because I think if anyone's going to take his spot at being that kind of glue guy, that guy who's willing to do whatever it takes and block and, and all this and be able to do it, it's Keith. So, uh, yeah, I think that 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 was a big moment for him. It was a big moment for – I mean, Derek Carr's first touchdown, I know it was preseason, but it was his first time throwing a touchdown in the Superdome, and it was to Keith Kirkwood. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that like he, he was an easy pick, even though he was technically my honorable mention. <laughs> No, that's great. Yeah, Keith's been a guy we've, you know, we've noticed that, like you said, confidence about him. And yeah, when we got to do that one in one-on-one interview with him that one day after training camp, you felt it. And it was kind of like that, uh, you know, I don't want to put it on that same Alante Taylor swag, but I was like, man, I, I, I was looking at everybody going, who is this guy talking? Because it didn't sound like the same player we've seen in the past. Uh, I don't know, maybe uh, going to Carolina away for two years was a good thing because we talked about two you know, you know, uh, after, you know, getting the chat with him at a, at a touchdown club meeting, uh, just how much things were different 
and how he appreciated New Orleans and the way the Saints way of doing things and couldn't wait to get back here and put the black and gold on again. He certainly looks like a guy right now determined to make the best out of every opportunity. And yes, and that's what you want, those hungry dogs on your team. Yeah, it was very clear to me that he wanted to be here. It wasn't just like, well, they're the team that would sign me. He, he wanted to come back, and and he did. And so it's cool to see him get that moment. But all right, anything else you want to hit on the upside before we go to the downside? Uh, I'm trying to think. Upside uh, to me, a guy like linebacker uh, Ryan Connolly got a big shout out doing things on defense and also uh, special teams. I thought he was very active and someone we've kind of talked about a little bit at practice, but. Man, it's it, you get so lost in the shuffle a lot of times. But yeah, when when the lights came on, definitely was encouraged to see more of that guy. Yeah, and there was turnovers today. Hugo Amadi came down with one. I do want to point out that Alante Taylor tipped that ball up in the air. So that's a check in his column. He struggled in the slot. And one interesting question in that battle was like, how much are you weighing slot corner duties <laughs> against outside corner duties? Because he's that touchdown uh in the second quarter there uh that uh, he and marcus may i think had a misconnection and uh yeah miscommunication and but he was in the slot and i don't i mean he's that's not the guy that you would typically say is the slot corner so anyway uh that's he, that's something but i did think he made a really nice play on that ball tipped it up in the air it's the type of interception the saints just did not find last season right and so you know i'm, I'm happy wherever they find them uh so that's something but all right let's let's wrap up this segment we're gonna come back we're gonna talk about some of the stock down players there aren't that many of them i thought you know even you know the second team guys right like they struggled but you know you're kind of splitting hairs here when you're talking about you know your first team offense and defense look spectacular so who are we going to complain about you know so we're going to come back we're going to talk about some guys that i did think struggled a little bit but this is inside black and gold we're going to close this out with a mailbag i'm excited we're back in football season so it's great stuff. it's all great stuff even though it's preseason. <laughs> but all right keep it locked on inside black and gold When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back on Inside Black and Gold. I, If we seem a little punch drunk, it's because Steve and I started this morning hosting First Take at 8 a.m. It is now 9 p.m. We have gone all the way around the clock. Uh, and, and we are back. But So this is going to be the more negative segment. There's a few players that I think... Wah, wah. <laughs> so Steve, I, I, let's start with you. You know, Was there anyone that stood out that you were just like, eh? You know, like the, you expected a bit more out of than you saw today. I uh, guess it's going to be easy for me to pick on a guy that got hurt, but Kendry Miller, uh, not really excited about anything. I saw four carries, five yards, and then the injury again and hearing that it's the same yeah. knee. I'm kind of really bummed out about him right now and hoping for the best, obviously, to come back uh, just because, yeah, it leaves an interesting and questionable running back situation if he's going to be gone for a long amount of time yeah and you know i i you know i'm not going to hold an injury against him but when you're talking about kind of stock right when you're saying stock down 
Right. One of the things that he's now going to lose with this injury is the ability to improve, is the ability to progress in pass protection and all the things that you need a young running back to work on in his first offseason so that when you get to the games, you can trust him back there. And he's, I, I, I'm assuming he's going to miss some time, even if it's not a major knee injury. You know, he's going to be out. You know, these are, you got these joint practices coming up. That's when you're going to get a lot of that work in. He's not going to just get it. And so, that's going to be a, a difficult uh, a difficult climb for him now. Hopefully, he can get back sooner than later. But I think that's a good point. It's you know I think I was optimistic to see him impact these games and and yeah. make himself into a guy that is really tough to keep off the field and with the injury you know which is the only injury really to report from this game which I guess is a kind of a positive thing right definitely you know I I think yeah that's that's a tough one so I think that's a good point. Yeah, it was just the fact, like I said, you don't want to, you know, bang on a guy that got injured. But, but like I said, before that, it was just nothing to write home about with what he did with his, with his attempts. I agree with that. And so, you know, going back to my post here with the with the stock downs, my first stock down is a guy that I, you know, I keep going back and forth on. I'm waffling just as much as he's waffling on what type of kick to make. It's Blake Gilligan. It's the punter. And man, hey. I just, you know, I think he's an excellent punter, but I don't know what happens. I almost think, you know, he's been trying to incorporate the helicopter punts and stuff like this. I think he's, I think he's yeah. trying to do too much. I think he just needs to focus on getting the kicks right. Because you look at that game and, you know, it's a preseason game. The result doesn't really matter. But the Saints were dominating that game. They were up 17 to nothing. The Chiefs had not done anything on offense. And the, the Saints go, you know, they punt from their own territory. I think they were punting from the 26. He punted the ball 24 yards. The Chiefs took over at the 50, immediately marched down, score four plays later. Made you and think of the Cincinnati Bengals game. Yeah, I mean, well, this wasn't the same situation. It wasn't late in the game. But it was like a good example of like, you are flipping momentum in the complete wrong way. And it's like, all you need to do is continue to make life difficult on them, make them go the long way. And instead, you're giving them a short field. And it's like, that's your job. That is your job, right? Like, I get it. You do a lot of things that don't get noticed. Like, he's a holder. He does a lot of this stuff. You know, he did make a couple really nice punts in that game. But your job is to punt the ball. And if one out of every 10 kicks is a complete shank, then you're not doing your job. And you're talking about a, a punter competition that he is in. I don't think he's going to lose it. I still don't. But, man, you got to be more consistent than that. And it's like, I get it, it's the first game. He's, there's, maybe he's working out the kinks. But I've just seen this way too many times over the last few seasons to feel comfortable with it, not rearing its head in big moments. And so my stock is down. I need to see him be more consistent the rest of the preseason. Or I'm taking a really long look at Mr. Headley over there. Yeah, I, I totally get that. Just because, yeah, the the that whole thing when the shank happened, you're kind of just like, Oh, not not again, kind of thing. Because we've we saw it some oh, some last year, and then sometimes in practice, and then that's just not gonna gonna fly in the game situations. Because because exactly how you meant it mentioned, it can flip the field so much and give the other teams such an advantage. And look look what happened: touchdown points are gonna score off of it. And yeah, you don't want to dig your offense into a deeper hole. So yeah, I'd have to. I agree with you there with Gillikin. Unfortunately, it's kind of frustrating because there's there's the good days and the bad days, obviously. And obviously, I think the good days outweigh the, the bad more often than not. But the fact that we're still seeing the shanks, I don't know how you can 
correct that you might be right you mentioned the helicopter kick is he trying to do too much kind of thing it's like all right just try to kick the ball normally my first indication was maybe he was trying to do a kick like that and he just missed it (laughs) and like i guess if you're gonna try it in a game the preseason would be where i want you to work that out right but at a certain point it's like i don't need a helicopter kick i just need a good kick (laughs) you know and uh, i think oh i can't remember who Oh, who was it that pin, that 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 saved the punt down at like the four? Ah, uh, I I'm blanking on it. I'm trying to think too. Sorry. Uh, it was a really good special teams play. I'll, I'll I'll have to look it up. But you know, there was one. There was there was a couple really nice punts, a couple really nice pins deep in their territory. So it wasn't all bad. But again, if I can't get consistency on special teams, it's a problem. And I just think there's too much variation. Like. Yeah. Anyway, I don't need to go in on, on Blake any more than I have, but he's a guy who I need to I need to see step up. For sure. Yeah, this the special teams uh, a huge deal. And it's just interesting that, you know, you've got a guy like Lou Headley in camp right now. Seems like a lot of fun. Uh, we haven't really talked to him that much, but you know, guys tatted up and looks like a rock star out there. And yes. I, I don't I don't know. There's there's a very good chance he could unseat Gillikin if we start seeing shanks on a more regular basis and you, you just you can't do that come game time. I'm sorry. No. And again, it's like, okay, you're the quarterback. You're doing 90 different things. You throw one bad pass. I'm like, okay, you know, I get it. You're a punter. You might punt four times a game, right? Like that, he's got to be consistent. And it's like, it made even worse by the fact that I look over. It's like, oh, Thomas Morstead's still kicking five and we couldn't keep him around, huh? Anyway, let's move on. The next two are defensive backs, and this is where I get start to get kind of unfair because we're going down the list. We're talking about depth defensive backs, but I think that is where the real competition is. And so I'm going to be tough on these two guys because you have to separate people somehow. And uh, Troy Pride, who I think has played pretty well throughout camp, he struggled today. There's no, there's no question about it. You know, he missed a couple tackles. He got beat on a couple plays. <sighs> You know, he, he just th- there were points that it was like, OK, you have a chance to to make an impact and to make, you know, make a statement for yourself. And he was not able to do that in this game. So, like, I think he'll bounce back. I, th- I actually like Troy Pride a lot. Um, you know, he's a guy who's really motivated. I just think that it, he, you know, it's going to be really tough to make this roster as a cornerback, as a safety. And these little issues are going to crop up and you're just going to have a really hard time, uh, you know, climbing that ladder. And I think he probably went down a few rungs with his performance today. Definitely agree on, on that with pride. You know, someone we we've written down in a positive way at practices. Yeah. Uh, He's for doing good. things I'm seeing in our chat room too. You know, you were mentioning now we're, we're, you know, being the three up three down the three down part of this segment and man, folks are piling on Alante this from this game. I didn't think it was that horrible. I mean, so I think, yeah, like you look at it and Alante Taylor slot cornerback star is not a person that is going to be a guy. You know, I think he's got to work on it. But yeah, like he he looked real bad in the slot and that touchdown where he kind of just got lost. But, you know, again, he's wants to like he's competing to be the outside starter. And I think when he was on the outside, he looked very good. He again, he forced that that interception. Ugo Amadi is going to be the one that gets credit for the interception. But right. Ugo caught it because Alante made a play on the ball and tipped it up in the air and created that turnover. So it wasn't all bad. But he, but again, hey, you know, you're preaching to the choir here because I have said <laughs> like since day one that I think Paul Sadibo is going to win that job. And everyone told me I was crazy. Uh, so anyway, we can we can move on from that. The next player on my list, 
and this is a little unfair because it's based heavily on one play. And this is Smoke Monday. And I'm, oh. I'm curious if you remember what I am talking about, which is, so he had one play where he just laid a huge hit. And it's like, he's a hitter. He, he self-identifies as a hitter. So he's always going to go for the big hit. But on the very next play, I, I there was a ball sent out to, I want to say his name was... Nick Nico Remigio, I he actually was Remigio, their leader. Yes, they sounded Italian to me. <laughs> Four catches, 71 yards. And one of those catches was up the right sideline. And Mar- Smoke Monday did what I can only describe as a Marcus Williams impression. Yes, yes. And just he, like he he looked like he could have made a play on the ball and at the very least tipped it up, kind of like Alante Taylor did. And instead, he just goes for the wipeout hit, lowers his head, lowers his shoulder almost whiffs he, he didn't want to see that he didn't whiff completely like like marcus did but it was like a shot for shot replay of the minnesota thing we don't need to talk Miss. about yeah i don't call it a miracle and oh god that just it just uh, it makes me feel sick to my stomach just seeing it and it's like yeah he's not gonna miss the roster or make the roster based on one play but you're gonna see that on film and that's gonna be a tough one to to explain and uh you know I, I he got on the field late he didn't get a ton of a ton of early reps I think he might be lower on the safety ladder than I initially thought but yeah that that play alone was enough to 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 make me a little queasy so that's why he ended up on my stock down list definitely a moment you know i'm i'm now uh from sidelines to being in studio and i'm watching the game in the sports office with a bear and we just looked at each other like what and he just goes to me what the fuck yeah, about like, that play yeah exactly and i was like you don't want to see that was that exactly like you just said he's like what is this marcus williams yeah so yeah that that's something we don't want to see i don't know who's te- if anyone's teaching that on the saints but it's got to stop immediately yeah well, and it was made worse by the fact that, like, he was in position. He played it well, right? All he needed to do was find the ball and, and go for it. I think he could have had an interception. I really do. I think he could have caught there. But he just – instead, he just defaulted to the hit. And even in today's NFL, that just doesn't make sense, right? Like, you're more likely to get a penalty than to, than to do anything useful, which is, like, separate the player from the ball. You can't really do that anymore. So, yeah, I mean, I, like, I – I, I still like Smoke Monday. I still think that he has a shot to make this roster, but you know the instincts there kind of kind of give me pause a little bit. And no, and we you know, we talked yeah. to him that one day after training camp, and he told us too. It's like, oh, I'm looking forward to hit somebody. I, I like to hit. Well, you got to get them sights set a little clearer because yeah. cannot <laughs> do anything like that, please. Well, they can't all be big hits. You can't just be going for big hits. I need you to make make smart plays, right? Um, and you know, I, I, yeah, I, I like, again, I'm, it's you're being harsh about one play, but eh. it just <laughs> brought tough. up too many bad memories for sure. I totally get it there. Right. All right. So I get, you know, we have people talking about Isaiah Foskey and, you know, you know I, I don't have him on my list because I, you know, my ex- expectations for him were not particularly high. So his stock to me is the same because he struggled throughout camp. I think he's just, you know, he's a guy who's going to have to learn. He's going to have to get better. But I don't think he did anything today that stunned me. But again, I, maybe it did for other people who haven't watched him throughout camp, which is fair. I'm not trying to brag or anything. But what you saw today was not out of the normal from what we have seen. And we've talked about it on this podcast. He's, I think he's just a developmental guy right now. And I know people don't want to hear that about a second round draft pick. But you know, the good news is that 
the guys in front of him have been playing well. It's not like Isaiah Foskey is not getting on the field because you know he's because you know, he just can't hack it around these other guys. The other guys are actually playing at a high level, so at least there's that. So that's why I'm not going to be overly harsh on Isaiah. It's his first career preseason game. He's getting acclimated to the NFL level. It's give the guy time to struggle. And that kind of leads me into my next thing, which unless you want to talk about Isaiah really quick. No, I was just going to say that's the general thing from fans. I think they're aggravated with the fact that, wait a minute, what are you telling us that we've got a developmental defensive end that we drafted in the second round? It's like, what are we, what are we doing? We did that with Marcus Davenport in the first round and Peyton Turner too. What the hell is going on here? Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's frustrating, but you know what? Like, I'm, you gotta like I get it, but I'm not gonna overreact right now. Um, like if if this is the case late in the season, if this is the case next year, then yes, I will start to I will start to uh, you know <laughs> but, reach for it. But but to yeah. that point too, like we kind of mentioned this, it's like everybody's so quick to write off players after you know maybe a subpar first season, or maybe even they struggle in year two or whatever it is whatever happens to them with injuries, them being slow to to develop, whatever it is, what are we seeing right now out of a guy like Peyton Turner? Sure, it's not a finished product even, even close yet right now, but there's been huge positive strides. And for me to even say that, a guy that's been terribly down on him, I think that's pretty big. And, and like you said, these guys, you can't just write them off immediately just because they, they might not be getting acclimated to this NFL level as soon as you want them to. There was one third down play that that Peyton Turner got home for a, for a hit, and Lonnie Johnson came in and took advantage of it and knocked the ball away. Finished and I was like, "That's real. applause! Like that is what you need to see. You need to see impact plays from the defensive line that set up the secondary, get the ball to come out, that take early, and then the defense can make a play because it's not uh, it's not on time anyway. No, so yeah, we have people in the chat saying Brian Brzee looked good. He did look good. Uh, one person said Isaiah Foskey's overthinking. Pammy Whammy. Uh, great name. Uh, and, and I agree. I, I think that's true. I, I think he's a little overwhelmed by the NFL level right now. And that's normal. One guy who the next guy on my list also looked very overwhelmed until he didn't, which was Jake Hayner. You know, if you listen to this podcast, I have been trying my darndest to get everyone to pump the brakes just Slow to, down. you know, like there's he's gotten a ton of hype throughout the preseason and it's been merited. He's been very good. But <laughs> Rookie quarterbacks, a mid-round rookie quarterback is not going to come out and light the league on fire. He's going to struggle. And that's how you learn. You don't learn by everything being easy. You learn by doing difficult things and getting better at those difficult things, right? Like I'm teaching myself how to play piano. I sucked at it. I still kind of suck at it, but I'm at the point now where I can play songs that you might recognize. And that's, an, that's a fast improvement for me. But if I just said, well, I guess I can't play piano because I couldn't play, you know, whatever on day one, then I would never be a better piano player. Anyway, you get the idea. So a rookie quarterback in the NFL, he's going to struggle. You're, you're going to have points where it's just going to be too fast. He's going to make mistakes like he did today. He, he There was a miscommunication. I can't remember who he threw it behind, but he tried to throw a back shoulder against the wrong coverage and it got picked off. And, you know, it, it's a learning moment. It's a learning moment. There was actually one incompletion that I think you, if you watched on TV, you might think it was a really bad throw by him. It was Kawan Baker. And one of the issues with Kawan Baker is I just don't think he gets it at the NFL level. And there was a point where it's like, okay, Jake Hayner made the right throw. Because if Kawan Baker continues on the line he is on and Jake throws it ahead of him, he is getting blown up. And so the only way that pass gets completed is if Kawan 
identifies that, kind of throttles down or sits in the open space, which is just something that receivers need to understand, and then you know, kind of work back to the ball. And Jake put it in a spot where if he had done that, he could have gone back to it, but Kawan didn't identify it. And that's kind of that I that like, okay, the quarterbacks need to be on, you know, on the same page as the receivers, and they weren't. And so it might look like, oh, he just he just threw it behind him. He just made a bad throw. But like, so I think that's actually a sign of Jake Hayner being ahead of the curve and Kawan being a little behind the curve for a third year pro. Um, but no, I, I thought like that last drive by Jake is such a good example of like good NFL quarterbacks. Look at Tom Brady, even look at that game in week 13. They can struggle the yeah. first three quarters and then just, there's just, you know, it clicks, right? And they just have it. They have it when it counts. Pat Mahomes is a great example. Like you've seen Pat Mahomes have terrible games and then in crunch time, he turns it on and you could just see it. You could see it click. You could see him start to start to calculate, start to digest everything a little bit quicker, a step faster. And that last drive, he was just in command. And so, you know, I, I don't want to say the stock is down on Jake Hayner. I think the stock is exactly where I thought it was. But I think the stock for a lot of other people, it might have dropped because they might have been over over hyping what his expectations were, the the trajectory he was on, which I think is still good. What do you mean, rookie right of the now, year and league MVP, Jake Hayner? What are you talking about? Not quite yet. <laughs> not quite yet. Um, but so one thing that happened, so he obviously led them down for that touchdown. And then uh, <laughs> the two-point conversion went awry. So I asked him what happened there, and, and this is what he had. To I say. was going to kill the play, and I was saying easy, easy. And who that nation was a little loud. Um, and uh, he thought I said said hut, and I was saying easy, easy. So a little miscommunication. Obviously clean it up and make sure it doesn't happen in uh, week two and week three. Well, guess what? Stock down, who that nation? What are you doing making all that noise for? What are you talking about, stock down? It was so loud in a preseason game that it screwed up the hike. That's yeah, incredible. Yeah, but you're messing up the offense. Yeah, that's, we'll figure it out. It's just a timing <laughs> issue. That is like, I, I think, you know, if you've never been to a preseason game somewhere else, I think yeah. it's easy to lose perspective on how crazy it is that there's enough people in that building to make enough noise to right. impact a play in any way. At the fourth quarter of a preseason game, you could probably hear a pin drop at a lot of stadiums at that point, especially with this, the way the Saints offense struggled. Like It's not like they saw that finish coming. The, you know, the Saints offense did not score. for They scored 17 points in the first quarter and then did not score again until about two minutes left in the game. Why were so many fans still there? And I think like that's, to me, that's my takeaway from that was good on you fans for being too loud for Jake Hayner. Actually, I'm sorry. Being too loud for Alex Pilstrom. Yeah. <laughs> Not a good say, look for him. I was going to say, so you, you obviously were, were at the stadium field level seeing all this uh, unfold. What, I was standing in the back of the end zone for that. Okay. I was going to say, what was your take on, on the crowd for the game? It was really still hopping in the fourth quarter. That's re, that is impressive. It was very, I mean, I wouldn't say it was hopping the whole way, but it was, there was enough people there still that when it got exciting, they got excited, you know okay. it, and I mean, there it was. It was hot for the first quarter, which is what you expected. Yeah. And then I, I kind of had to look around. I was like, "Wow, people are still here." And I think part of it was, you know, a lot of people had just kind of like migrated from where they were sitting to the prime seats there at the end. But uh, yeah, it was it was loud. And uh, but no, I, I I think Jake is really intriguing as a quarterback prospect. I really do. I just don't. I mean, I think this is a red shirt year for him, and I'm okay. And that's okay. Right. You have Derek Carr this year. Like, you know, if, if you get to a point where you're starting Jameis Winston and he's the backup, sure, I think he could be that. 
but like right now I want him to focus on getting better and learning. And, well, and this well, is, sorry. Uh, what I just find that funny with everything too, everybody wants to elevate Hayner to number two already and trade Jameis Winston. What do you think you're getting for Jameis Winston on the market? I'm just curious. And how would that benefit Jake? Like how, how would that make Jake better? Um, it wouldn't, it wouldn't. And I, I prefer to let Jake focus on what Jake needs to focus on, which is, you know, just, just improving, just getting steadily better and, being the QB two isn't going to help him, you know. I, like, yeah, I think it's just added pressure that is not going to help. Like, it's not, you know, you, you, I don't know. Like, you, you get it. it. It's not. I don't see how that improves his stock at all. But you know, what we'll, we can go on from there. Before we go, I do have to. I, I see Jerry G made a comment earlier on. I do agree with him. So I have to circle back to the three up, and I would put also if if not in the three in an honorable mention along with Ryan Connolly for me. Got to add linebacker Zach Bond. Uh, Jerry G-, G says, Zach Bond showed me something, and I agree with that. I was impressed with him tonight. Here, uh, there, was a, there was a comment here. Let's see if I can find it, which, oh, man, I, I lost it. It was the complete but opposite. Basically, along the line is, oh, here it is. Yes, Zach Bond was actually used correctly. Right, okay. Yes, he was. Right, that was my main takeaway. Was like, <laughs> wow, you used Zach Bond as an on-the-ball linebacker. He got upfield, he rushed the passer, and he made a play. Crazy. Good for you Zach. Know, stop hey. trying to turn him into something he is not. You saw what it could be with Caden Ellis last year. You saw how, you know, you, you saw how this defense can operate with a pass rush intensive linebacker. And I think he can be used in that role. I don't want to see him in coverage. I think that's the difference between Zach and Caden is Caden could cover. Caden was athletic enough to get downfield. And he was actually a lot better than I thought he was when, we, when he actually had to do it. I don't think Zach is that. You've seen him in practice. It just he can't. He, uh, you're asking for bad things. But in situations where you're getting after the passer and you were just sending him upfield, I like it. And so I'd like to see him used more often. But I agree. He had a good day. Yeah, he was definitely one of those you came away with going, whoa, okay, you know, show me something, dude. Uh, because, yeah, training camp practices have not been, uh, I won't say pretty, but they haven't been very eventful for him. I agree. But all right, let's wrap up that segment. We're going to come back. We're going to do a mailbag. This is Inside Black and Gold. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. we got over 200 people in here right now. It's exciting. I, I'm glad we are back doing football things. I'm Jeff Nowak. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. I'm still going to call it Twitter. I'm never going to call it X. So if you're wondering why I keep following me on Twitter, that is why. Uh, you can follow Steve Geller at Steve Geller WWL. You can follow the show at Saints underscore pod. And we're going to be right back with a bunch of questions. Stick Hit a round. inside black and gold with a little longer of a break I had to go through and hit some comments and questions there's a few that are not so far questions so I'm just going to kind of run through them so we can kind of get to information that people had asked about uh, the first one is how is Shahid he just got here or K- KD just got here he's asking how is Shahid Rashid Shahid was there he was on the sideline I, we saw most of the players that were that have been out with injuries the only one I did not spot was Traquan Smith he may have been there and I didn't see him but I, like I saw DeMario, I saw Andres Pete. All these guys are, they're around the team, right? So if you think because they're not at practice, they're not there working, that's that's not correct. They're, they're doing work. They're around the team. And they're just not getting on the field for practice. So so wait, yeah. Andres was there? He was. Yeah. Wow. Okay. 
And uh, so that's going to be something. And Shahid is, is interesting. You know, I, uh, he's a guy a lot of people are excited about. I'm excited about him. And he's dealing with that groin injury. Those, you know, soft tissue injuries are pain in the ass. Uh, this one's a pain in the groin. But yeah, I, I, it's not supposed to, it's not believed to be serious, but it's just, it's, it is, it's frustrating. And so we'll have to see. I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. Uh, Demario's dealing with that calf. Andres is dealing with the quad. Kirk Merritt is dealing with the hamstring. He was there as well. So yeah, there's, there's a few guys who I think you're just playing it safe with right now. And yeah, so I don't think we need to get too much into the weeds on that. No, and like you said, DA mentioned to us, and he's been pretty good with his injuries, maybe a little too forthcoming at times, but he did believe that none of these were going to be anything too serious, and I'm hoping that's true. And yes, them being at the game and actually visible, uh, definitely a positive. So Drew C. is asking what player we're talking about. I believe he's this is in the Smoke Monday play. It was later in the game. It was the fourth quarter. I would say it was probably about eight minutes left. Uh, it was deep in Chiefs territory. Like they completed a pass to, I want to say, the 29-yard line. And that's where the, the quote-unquote tackle is. But the funny thing is you get credit with the tackle on that play. And it was just ugh, flashbacks. But anyway, yeah. that's, the, that's the play we're talking about. Drew, Devin Sonier also points out, you know, Smoke Monday is basically a rookie. You're not wrong. He missed the entire preseason last year. He didn't play in a preseason game. He and DeMarco Jackson, another guy I think had a pretty good day. He had a penalty early on, but I think he bounced back well. But, you know, like Smoke is basically a rookie, right? Like in terms of a time on time on task, he's basically a rookie. So I agree with that. Uh, to, to me, it was just totally a guy. Listen, I'm trying to give this huge highlight hit stick kind of play, create the turnover and, you know, have a big outing for myself kind of deal instead of just wrapping up and making the short tackle. 100%. I agree with that. Like, that's exactly what happened. Uh, you know, I'm like, going to make uh, some yeah. kind of huge highlight. Yeah. Don Tomasino says blitz smoke if he wants to hit. You know, we have actually seen him blitz, get, get blitzed a lot in camp. You know, he and he's good at it. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think that he does have some upside as a blitzing safety. You know, so here's one. Uh, and a few people have commented this, so let's just get into it. It's just Fammy Whammy says Jameis definitely looked good. Jameis, I will say Jameis looked good at points. Right, that first drive when he hit A.T. Perry over the top, that was a great throw. But then, you know, one of the issues that I have with Jameis, and it's like, you know, once a team feels like they can blitz you and you have no answer for it, it's a really tough life to lead as a quarterback because, you know, you look at, you look at a guy like Tom Brady, and one of the reasons you can't blitz him is because – Every time you blitz him, he will make you pay from wherever the blitz came from. He knows it's coming. He identifies it. He gets the ball out there. And I just don't see Jameis do that enough. And there's times where it's like, yeah, they're going to send him. They blitz like four times in a row. Like You know the blitz is coming, and you just got to identify the hot route and get it out fast because there's no one there to cover that guy. He, that guy blitzed. Um, so like that's what frustrates me. And that's when the Saints offense bogged down in the second and third quarter, or on the second quarter, rather, because he didn't play the third quarter. The second quarter was just blitz after blitz after blitz, and he was getting teed off on. And, you know, like one of the reasons he's dealing, he's dealt with injuries the last couple of seasons, you know, not necessarily 2021, but definitely last year's, you know, he's getting teed off on. And, you know, you got to be better. You got to protect yourself. And I just, you know, I think Jameis did look good at points, but then the blitzes came and he just, I don't think he handled them very well. We asked Dennis Allen about it and he wouldn't go in on it. Uh, he said he wanted to see the tape first because I think there is an element of, okay, this is on the offensive line, but it's also got to be on the guy who sets the protections. And uh, so, yeah, that's my one gripe about Jameis. And it's been the same gripe as last year is when he gets blitzed. I don't think he handles it well. 
The biggest positive for me in this game about Jameis was at least he looked healthy because I think we saw two or three oh, yeah. times when he took off and scrambled, and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, he moved. He needs to learn how to slide. <laughs> oh, the slide is not pretty at all. No. I was like, you're going to hurt your knee doing that. What's going on? <laughs> well, it kind of a stumble. <laughs> I guess, that, like, I mean, he was moving. He looks very, he looks fast, right? He he did. He got out and scrambled a few times, and he picked up serious yardage. But it was at the end. It was like, uh, I'm just going to kind of go down, <laughs> you know. It was definitely not pretty. Uh, I was like, but oh, my it, God, you know, it, did he hurt himself? I, I think it is kind of a combination of like, okay, I need to get down, but also I don't want to sacrifice the yardage. Like you saw Pat Mahomes slide and he they didn't get the first down right. because he slid and the, the the ball gets marked where the slide starts, yeah. not where it ends. And so it was a fourth and short and that's where they got stopped on fourth down. So if you can say anything for the way Jameis slides, it's that he's getting every ounce of that yardage, uh, <laughs> but it does, you know, it's like, oh gosh, <laughs> you know? Because eventually you're going to get your head taken off because you don't get protected like when you go down like that, right? Like if if a player goes to the ground with you and hits you, you don't get the protections of a sliding quarterback when you kind of just stumble to the ground. So, you know, that's – I think you probably still would get the benefit of that call in some instances if someone's just trying to clean you out. But, yeah, it's uh, – it got to be better than that. He played baseball. like He can slide. I, I don't understand it. Thank you. Yes, exactly. You should be used to that. And that does not look like a baseball slide at all. <laughs> So odd, <laughs> but no, like I, like you said, I think it's a great point. You know, he he's moving around really well. It was something that I don't think. You know, one of the reasons he had tr- struggles last year early, and especially protecting himself, was he just wasn't moving as well because he had right. the brace on. He was still coming back. I think what you're seeing this year is he's very much athletically back where he needs to be. So that's a good sign for him. Speaking of another guy, so branded. Says Kamara was running like he'd been shot out of a cannon. Kamara looks looks really really fresh. You know, you're not going to see him for the first three weeks, but I I fully expect week four and beyond you're going to see a very very um, high level version of Alvin. And we saw today, you know that that opening drive, what was that? Thirty seven yards of it. Thirty seven of those eighty yards, half of the yards on that drive were Alvin, and two of them were runs, two of them were catches, and you know I think. One of the things that is very clear this year, and we saw it, is they're going to be looking to get him the ball in space. And <laughs> I don't know why they stopped, <laughs> but it's that's such a huge part of the Saints offense when it's working. And uh, we saw it today, and I think we're going to keep seeing it. It's nice when you have like that felony, you know, battery case no longer looming over you kind of deal. And we we saw at that press conference today when the suspension was handed down afterwards, actually. But even then, when he spoke to us, you could tell that Alvin was different coming in this to this season, just carrying the weight of that case on him. And yet, d- totally looking forward to seeing Mr. The Matrix back this season, putting on those moves. Agreed. Demetrius Ramsey says, Bobby Hebert is the one that got everyone believing. He's the next breeze. He's talking about Jake Hayner. That's fair. Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, He's the like when I say pump the brakes, I'm mostly talking about Bobby. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't, I'll say at least Bo- Bobby's not trying to put him as the number two guy yet, though, but he has been no. excited over obviously a young quarterback that's probably been the best prospect we've seen in here for years. Bobby is a man of hyperbole and, and that's fine. I, I'm all I'm for it. And hey, we're all we're we are all part of this. Everyone who goes <laughs> out to camp practice and keeps reporting about how fantastic oh, it looks. And he does look really good, but I think you just have to always kind of couch it in, you know, like be realistic about what your expectations are. Um, he looks a heck of a lot better than Ian Book did at any point. 
So take that for what it is. Plus, there's not times at the training camp practice we're seeing Jake Hayner going up the first team defense. Well, I'll give that. I'll say that it wasn't the first team defense for the Chiefs either tonight. But that's that's a whole nother story. Uh, Hayner, though, yes, yeah, still a promising prospect, even though a shaky preseason game. But he's a rookie. That's what we should expect. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, I think it was a little fast for him early on, and you know, it'll slow down. Um, yeah. Don Tomasino says, I got to say, May looked good. I think, you know, so he's, maybe he's fully recovered from the knee. I think he did. I think Marcus May looks like a much more confident player right now, excuse me, than he did this time last year. And so, yeah, he was coming back from, it wasn't a knee, it was an Achilles injury. But yeah, he he did look like he was a little tentative last year. And I think it was it was partly, partially just kind of getting the explosion back, getting comfortable, making sure he felt confident in that in that Achilles, but also like learning a new defense. I think as a safety, it takes a little bit of time. You know, we saw Marcus Williams and Malcolm Jenkins struggle as a new pairing early in that, that grouping. Right. Uh, I think that was the 2020 season and they got, they got much better as the season went on in the next two years, they were fantastic. And you know, the next year, the second year, Uh, but this pairing of Tyron and Marcus may, I think, you know, you expected it to, to, to gel a little quicker than it did. But no, you. I think you are seeing now, like everyone's a little more comfortable in what they're being asked to do, and and Marcus May's playing a lot faster. I think. Yeah, I think there was a key play on a third down where he broke up a pass, and it yeah. was like, all right, that was it was a, it was a great play kind of deal. And like, yeah, you said you're finally seeing him, not just recovered, but being fully, you know, fully uh, re- recovered. I guess you would say, and football ready. I guess uh, not just ready injury wise, but also having put in the time and rehab to get everything strengthened and back to a hundred percent. I agree with that. So we, we can go on to another player who, you know, we saw sparingly today, but Jamika Slater says, Michael Thomas only played the first drive, two balls thrown his way. He caught one for 16 yards. So he's working his way back. The other one was kind of a fade in the, in the end zone. That was a little too high. Yeah. So Mike, you know, it's hard to gauge with Mike because Mike is always going to be elite at making catches in traffic and fighting for balls. And there's a skill set there by itself that is that is valuable to this team. But I do think that he is a lot more limited, at least right now, than I remember him being. Um, not necessarily last year. I think he looks a lot like he did last year. But like you're just, I don't know if he has that 2019 burst in him where He's able to create separation in a phone booth. Like he's going to be a very important piece on this roster in that you need to you need a first down. You can go to him in traffic and you know that he's gonna fight and he's gonna probably make that catch. He's gonna win it a lot more often than he loses it. But I just I don't I don't know if you can trust him to create separation. And maybe, you know, maybe, maybe as the season goes on, he gets a little bit looser, he gets a little bit quicker, he gets a little bit, you know, more elusive. Uh, but I it's it's tough for me to point point to him and be like that's the number one wide receiver on this team. What's and, amazing, and, and I'm su- I'm surprised that nobody's been blowing up who looks like has been the number one wide receiver in Chris Olave. Obviously, just one target today in that drop, and it was like, oh come on, man! Fifteen players caught passes in this game. Nothing from Olave, the guy who has been relentlessly hyped up for good reason. Absolutely, all throughout camp did not have a catch. He did have a target. He should have caught it dropped it. right uh and I, you know i'm not i'm not saying like yeah you know, i think we all know who chris alave is i'm not worried about it but it is just kind of funny like adam prentice caught a ball jake bargus <laughs> caught a ball chris alave nah. yeah, uh, sh- yeah shut out for the night and yeah that was obviously 
you, you don't want to see that either. Uh, the the dropsies from him, unfortunately, that yeah, they never got another target on him a game. But overall, in training camp, he's definitely been one of the major highlights along with Marshawn. Randall Offrecht asks, "Who's the number two receiver on this team?" I he says, "I wouldn't say Michael Thomas." So I guess you're indicating that Chris Olave is the number one wide receiver. I mean. I see. I guess it, it depends how you're asking. If you're talking about in terms of production, right? Then probably Jawan. In terms of, I expect him to be the number two in yards and and probably touchdowns. Mike, if you're talking about in terms of first downs, probably is number one. So I don't know. I think you're talking about roles more so than you know number one, number two, number three. I think he's going to be a big contributor to this offense. He's an important piece. But if if you're looking at it and saying, wow, can he get back to that 2019 form? I just don't think so. And that's fine. You know, like there's a reason that that's the most catches in NFL history, right? Like you're, you're not going to get, like he might think he's going to get there. Yeah. I mean, whatever, but I think I'm okay with where Mike is, but I think again, it's like, you need to be realistic about the expectations for him. Sure. And I, I do think he is the number two guy to me. He might not be even, he's not going to be number one in catches. I don't think, or yardage, but Hey man, there's a definitely a good chance. Mike T ends up being the receiving leaders in touchdowns. Definitely not yardage. I could see a scenario where he leads in catches, but sure. his, his catch average is going to be lower. Like Chris Olave is probably going to average 18 yards a catch, right? So he could catch 50 balls and he would probably outpace Mike with 70. But yeah, so it's it's something to watch. But uh, lame ASF says, I can see Kamama Kamara catching 65 to 70 passes. I hope so. Um, I hope we get back to 81. I hope he catches exactly 81. <laughs> now that would be something because that means then, yeah, all around he's having a great year since he was super productive. Uh, all three of those seasons, obviously. Elvish freshly <laughs> asks, is, is Pete getting his job back? You got to be we at talk- work to get the job back. One thing that <laughs> Derek Carr talked about today was having his entire first team offensive line on the field. And so I think Derek Carr sees James Hurst as his starting left guard because, you know, he was talking about how great it was and how good of a job they did. And, you know, we can talk about a position battle, but if you're not on the field to battle for it, is it really a position battle? Um, so, <laughs> no, I don't think that Pete is getting his job back. I've been kind of firm on this from the start. You know, if Hurst gets hurt, you know, if like he loses that job for some reason, then I think Pete is right there. But I, I, I think that's James Hurst's job. Yeah, the reliability that you have with Hurst and his experience, to me, totally trumps what you get out of Andrews Pete, who can be hurt any single minute. <laughs> Rich Rising asks, isn't the Super Bowl in Vegas? It is. And I think it's fate loves irony, technically. But we're good. We got that. We get same. same and same Cam thing. Jordan says, that's the goal, man. Let's bring Derek back. Did you see the clip of Cam Jordan uh, like rolling up? You didn't? I, I think unbelievable because if I did yeah. that, I'm definitely going to the hospital. It's crazy. And, and you could see, so he pointed this out. I didn't even look at it, but Colin Saunders is like doing the worm and getting up. And it's like, what is, who are these people? I guess they are dancing pandas or whatever he called them. Yes, I love it. Um, so Ryan McGee wanted to see Foster Morrow get some passes. And Kirk Merritt at running back. Yeah, it's one of the few people who didn't, you know, get really into the action was Foster Morrow. Kirk Merritt's hurt. So, yeah, I mean, that was never going to happen. But, yeah, Foster really didn't have much of an impact today. No, Foster, we might be getting ready for that uh, pool volleyball game. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) He had to skim the pool. Yeah. Uh, 
All right. So here's one more. KD says Turner locking down that D2 spot. I I mean, I disagree with that. I think Carl is is pretty entrenched in that role right now. Um, I think Peyton is playing well, and I think he's going to get himself sta- snaps. He's going to get on the field, and I think he's going to be productive. But I think that's very much going to be a rotation. I don't think either of them are, is going to be like, wow, okay, that's the guy at, at the defensive end spot across from Cam. And I think that's okay. You don't need a guy to play 95% of the snaps. That's just Cam being a nut job uh, <laughs> and being able to do it. Uh, but I think you're very fine with a guy like Peyton Turner getting in for 50% of the snaps as long as he is productive yes. on those snaps. And for a guy who struggled to be healthy the first two years of his career, I'm okay with that. Like I, I would like to see him on the field, and then we can worry about how many snaps he's playing. <laughs> to me, yeah, Turner's come into this season knowing health has been an issue. Um, I, I don't, I don't know what it is even – maybe his attitude or effort in the past, but he's coming fully this season looking at a guy going, you know what? I want that number two job opposite Cam Jordan. I believe that from him right now because he's definitely been showing it. But yeah, Grando, I love what Carl Granderson's been doing to me, for me. That progression we've seen from him every single season, you want that out of their player. And yeah, definitely excited to see if he can keep pushing that. But I always put Granderson still slightly ahead of Turner, but Turner is definitely right there with him. Agreed. And one more comment here we'll get to, and then we can wrap this up. St. John Butler is trying not to get too excited, but this team could give us a fun season. And, you know, yeah, it's it's tough because you, you don't want to overreact to anything you see in the preseason. You don't, you know, the face, the, the offense looked fantastic on that opening drive. The defense looked fantastic on those two drives. They were on the field, the first team. And, you know, you just kind of go with it and say, okay, that's the first step successfully completed right and they're gonna go from there but you know I, I was a little worried we would see the offense come out and just look stale and uh you know that that that's that was the big relief for me because we've seen Derek Carr struggle and that's why when he talked about how the the defense knows the script you know that kind of crystallized it for me because like yeah he has struggled at points but I do think he's right I think that's one of the reasons that there's no separation that there's such tight windows to throw to is because the defense when it's going against its own offense has a little bit of a of a, of a leg up um, especially for a quarterback who's picking it up who's installing it all at the base level I thought it was uh, interesting too one day at camp two afterwards he said sometimes I know it might not be the most ideal situation or something, but he's like, now's the time to try things. So I'm just going to let it fly kind of deal. So I respect yeah. that too in the training camps to, to realize like sometimes, all right, let me just try and make a play for the hell of it here. He's okay with things not going perfectly well. And so like, yeah, like you might look at it and be like, well, okay, this ball hit the ground. I was like, yeah, but he's throwing it to see what happens. Right. And you know, I think that that's when you have to do that because you don't want to do that in a game. Right, I'm, I'm not going to chance it and risk the turnover here, but you know what? In practice, what the heck? Let's let it rip. Yeah, let's see what they got. Let's see how Jawan Johnson reacts to this ball. Let's see how yeah. Chris Olave reacts to this ball. Can he go up and get it? I think he phrased it as asking questions. He's asking a lot of questions in practice, and he's just interested in finding out the answers. And, you know, I think we we did see him look really good today, and I, I, I don't know exactly what to expect from him this season, but today got me excited about it. You know, I, I can see... You know, the optimism was was really heavy early on. And I'm I'm starting to drink the Kool-Aid a little bit because I think when you see how they played today and you see the the, the way the offense and the defense can complement each other. I mean, this is the best team in the NFC South, the most well-rounded team. It's the only one with a quarterback that I feel like is is ready to win right now. It's the only one with the with 
like with like competitive offensive and defensive units, right? Like the Panthers have a really good defense, I think, but their offense is questionable. They have a young quarterback. The Bucks have a good defense, I think, but their offense has Baker Mayfield. And then the Falcons, right? Like Desmond Ritter and, you know, a lot of pieces. I don't know what they're going to look like on offense. I'm sure they're going to run the ball a lot. Uh, but I just don't see a ton of question marks all up and down the Saints roster right now. And that's very nice to see. And gosh, a playoff season, just a, even a 10-win season would be so fantastic. And that's why, like, you talk about trying not to get too excited. It's like, that's my bar right now. Can they get to double-digit wins? That's, I think it's a must. I put it as a must this season for sure. But, like, that's still seven losses, right? Like, that means you won three more games than you lost, which – Right now sounds great. Uh, but if like like those breeze, those last few breeze seasons, like 10 and 7, what happened? You know? So we've kind of we kind of dropped my bar has been lowered over the last few years. From Nola.com and the Times Picayune, uh, Jeff Duncan sent us all, you know, our, our season predictions kind of deal. And I I said in my write-up to him, I really have a hard time going through this schedule that we've all talked about, how it looks so favorable for the Saints. Yeah, you you really go through it game by game and you're it's hard to come up with losses and i like that part of it obviously a lot and and i got the t- i expect there to be bumps in you know in the road along the way but to me double digits with this schedule with this talent is a must and i got them winning 11 games this season i put it at i put it at 10 because i'm just trying not to be overly you know I'm drink- like yeah i'm drinking the kool-aid 11 and 10 it's it's right there i, sure. I, I but yeah i like it's, it is, it's hard to come up with, with eight losses. It's hard to come up with seven, but I'm, I mean, I just think there's kind of a standard deviation there. There's injuries that are going to happen. There's going to be some struggles, but maybe uh, my hope is that we don't spend all year talking about Pete Carmichael. That's my hope. I think we can well, do after that. that. After that first drive, man, everything looks smooth as silk. So we love that. Let's keep that going. I agree. But all right, let's wrap this up. Thanks, everyone, for being in here. There's a lot of people, a lot of comments. Had a good time. Hope you did, too. I'm Jeff Nowak. This is Inside Black and Gold. Uh, my co-host, as always, Steve Geller. With, you know, he, he's the real trooper. I just hung out on the sideline. He hosted an entire show after the game. Uh, we've both been at this for about 14 hours now. <laughs> But you know what, Jeff? Seeing all these folks hanging out with us right now is awesome, and we might have to become a late-night podcast. Right. Well, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it makes it fun because I, I know people really enjoy it and they want to talk yeah. about it. And so like, I, I, I don't mind doing it. You know, these are the, these are the days I don't mind being 14 hour days, although it makes me scared about what a regular season game is going to be if these are 14 hour <laughs> days, but Hey, you know, we'll, we'll make it through. Um, but all right. The, this is inside black and gold. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. If you haven't left us a rating on Apple podcasts, please do that. Leave us a rating, leave us a review feedback. I, I love it. Even if it's, you know, criticism i i i live on it i need it tell me tell me how much i suck but do it do it in a way that that i can find out about it not just to your you know your relatives at over the dinner table like you see that a-hole anyway so let's let's do that um but yeah we'll be back this week i'll be headed out to la for the joint practices i am excited about that i'll be headed out on cooler temperatures oh i'm so happy i'm so (laughs) i'm so excited for for not this not this, anything but this. Yeah, and so that's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be out there Thursday, Friday, and then Sunday they're going to face the Chargers. So uh, I'm not sure what our schedule is going to look like from a podcast perspective, but we'll figure it out. We'll get you yeah. an episode or two, and uh, 
I don't know. It's going to be tougher to do the uh, the post game, so maybe maybe we'll do it on Monday because um, it's because it's a later start. I think the game Late game, and then you'll be flying back, right? What is it? Eight p.m. locally. Six p.m. I think local. Okay, so it's four p.m. out in L.A. Let me double check right now. I think that's it's a what, six o'clock central kickoff. Then that would be four. Either way, it's a later start, so that's going to make a live chat a little tougher. Um, six we'll, five. Yep. We'll figure it. We'll figure it out. But anyway, thanks everyone for listening. As always, follow me at Jeff at Jeff underscore Noack. Follow Matt Steve Geller WWL. Follow the show at Saints underscore Pod. Check out the latest Saints content over at WWL.com and always listen to Sports Talk four to eight p.m. Monday through Friday. Steve's on there. I'm on there on Fridays most weeks at least for now, until the season starts, and then you get to listen to Mike Haas and Deuce McAllister. That must be better. Um, but check that out. WWL AM 870 FM 105.3 and always on the free Odyssey app. We're on there too, so download that and subscribe to Inside Black and Gold. You can do it. Um, but all right, this this out has lasted way too long. Steve, you have any parting words? Just want to see the Saints like Cam Jordan always says, just keep stacking those levels. I love it. Stack. Let's do it, right. Saints.